Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. Great to be with you this evening. Um, as Amy said, my name's um, Hannah. I'm one of the leaders here at Central. And uh, we are continuing this evening in our series, month-long series on prayer. So week one, Carl talked about connecting prayer. We pray to our dad. We talk to him. He listens. He talks back. This is what prayer is. We talk to our dad. Week two is protecting prayer. So Carl was talking about the reality of our opposition as we live a life um, of love with Jesus in us, we face the reality of our opposition, that God has an enemy. So if you want to be protected, you pray. Protecting prayer. And this week, um, I would love to talk to you about contending prayer, which sounds like a bit of a fancy word, but it's really not. I mean bold prayer, faith-filled prayer, big prayers. That's what we're going to talk about this evening. But before I do that, I, I wanted to just take five minutes or so just to talk to you guys just a little bit for a minute about some of the things that as myself and some of the prophetic team have prayed that we have sensed God say about this year for us as a church. Because I think it's really important that we hear those things in community and we weigh and test them together. But also because I think they really impact on how do we pray prayers of contention, prayers of faith, prayers of boldness. And so as we were praying together at the end of last year, I I gathered some of the key leaders in our prophetic ministry together and we sat down and we said, God, what is your word for us, for our church, for our movement for 2015? And the word um, that we felt God gave us was breakthrough, that this would be a real year of breakthrough, that as we begin to put feet to terra firma earth in terms of movement, in terms of thinking about not just our church here, but actually church with a capital C across the whole nation of Scotland and into the Celtic lands, as that begins to happen, that there will be significant breakthrough, that the church will have um, a stronger voice in this nation again, that people will listen to it in a new way because it's in community, as loving people. And that breakthrough would also come in salvation and in healing. So people are encountering Jesus for the first time and people encountering the love of the Father physically in their bodies and also emotionally. And so we were like, great, God, we're up for that. How, how's that going to happen? And we felt God give us t- two more things um, that we've been weighing together. And we felt that God said he would give us faith and boldness to see that kind of breakthrough happen. And that those were actually supernatural gifts that God wants to give and place into each one of us that calls this church family this year. And not just us, but actually people all across Scotland, people who listen to this podcast, um, that, that he would give these things to us as we contend for breakthrough this year. Up for it? A few of you are up for it? <laughs> She's definitely up for it. I love the nodding. That's so great. <laughs> Thank you for encouraging me. Um, so contending prayer is bold prayer. It's faith-filled prayer, and it's the kind of prayer that sees breakthrough. If we want to see those kind of things happen this year, we're going to need to learn to pray in a new way. And so as I was preparing for this talk this evening, I thought, where better to go than the prayers of small children for inspiration on how to pray? So I'd love to just read you a few of my favorites 
as we begin together. This is from Larry. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with me and my brother. (laughs) From Jane. Dear God, in Sunday school they told us what you do, but who does it when you're on holiday? And then my personal favorite from Norma, age seven. God, did you mean for giraffes to look like that or was it an accident? (laughs) So... Love, love kids. Um, so we're, we're actually going to look for inspiration from the Bible this evening. You'll be pleased to hear. Um, so if you'd like to turn with me to Acts 12, um, or if you don't have a Bible, it'll come up on the screen behind me. And we're going to read this amazing story of the church boldly praying and what happens when they did. So Acts chapter 12. It's towards the end of the Bible. Go to the end and then turn left a little bit. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each, which is a ridiculous number of soldiers for one person. We'll continue. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second gates and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she rang back without opening and exclaimed, Peter, is that the door? Peter, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel, which is a plausible explanation. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. And then 
Luke, the, the writer of Acts, finishes the chapter with this record of the death of Herod, which contains possibly the greatest verse in the whole New Testament scripture. Herod was eaten by worms and died. And then finishes verse 24, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Let me just pray for us as we come around God's word this evening. Father, we thank you for this story. And we ask that you would breathe afresh. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome your voice. We welcome your truth. Would you teach us? Would you teach us to pray in a way that honors you? Amen. So I hope you enjoyed that story because it's actually absolutely hilarious. Anyone else? Is that just me? I mean, the butt of the joke is the praying church. They're praying, they're contending for this impossible situation. And then when the answer to their prayer actually arrives at their very doorstep, they don't believe that it could actually be true. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is farcical news. But it encourages me because I think it's so easy to read stories about the early church and kind of put them up on this massive spiritual podium this massive pedestal. But the truth is that this book and the early church are full of people just like you and me. And Tom Wright puts it like this, muddled, half-believing, faith one minute and doubt the next sort of people. And I don't know about you, but I really identify with that. Anyone else? Faith one minute, doubt the next. Hello. (laughs) That's me. And the early church teaches so much here about what it means to pray from that place. So what's going on here? The church is in trouble. That's basically bottom line. Herod has got a bit power thirsty. He's beginning to see this emerging group of uh, Christians, this community as a political threat. So he's had James murdered. He's basically looked at the church and thought, see what I could do here. I could take out one of their small leaders and see what kind of influence and, and, and crowd favor that wins me in the city. And so he's had James executed as a kind of test the waters kind of thing, seeing that it's won him massive approval from a bloodthirsty crowd. He's gone and imprisoned Peter. So the reality that Peter was facing was that the next day was his trial. They immediately executed people after trial. There was none of this waiting around for 10 years on death row. It happened immediately. So Peter is imminently facing death. This would be the equivalent of David Cameron looking at Central and thinking, Hannah Montgomery, small-time leader, let's take her out, end of Hannah, and then imprisoning Karl Martin with trial the next day. And David Cameron, if you're listening on podcast, it's only an illustration. So, and, and I don't know what you'd do in that situation or, or how you would feel, maybe what you'd do, you'd come to the sixth gathering and be like, Kira, what shall we do? Um, But we see here verse 5. We're going to come back again and again to this this evening. Peter was being kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. It doesn't say the church was earnestly politically maneuvering. It doesn't say they were complaining. It doesn't say that they were running scared for their lives, which, to be honest, I would have understood. It says they were earnestly praying. Theirs was the prayer of contention. 
Theirs was a prayer of faith, and theirs was a prayer of breakthrough, because this story tells us that when the church prays, God does stuff, God moves, and prayer is powerful beyond belief. So what kind of prayer is contending, and what can we learn from these very real people praying very real prayers? Firstly, I want to suggest that contending prayer is persistent prayer. I'm going to take you on a a, a mini two-minute Greek lesson. Hope you're all up for that. Anyone up for that? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the word for earnestly praying there is the word ektenos. Can you say that with me? Ektenos. Very good. You were much better than the 10.30 this morning, I have to say. Ektenos. And um, some people have translated that as constant, unremittingly, without ceasing, the kind of prayer that goes on. And the reality is that because um, Luke tells us that it's Passover, the, the church had probably been gathered for quite a few days. This wasn't the kind of church prayer meeting where you turn up at 8 p.m., have a few custard creams and go home at 9 This was a, like, without ceasing, persistent prayer. And I guess it got me wondering, if I'm going to pray bold prayers this year, am I willing to persist, sometimes even into the night, for the things that I know God would have me pray for breakthrough in? Because we live, don't we, in in a kind of, we, we are the instant generation. That's one of the things that defines our our age. We check the news every 10 minutes on our BBC app, on our smartphones. We don't, we don't just read the news every 10 minutes. We have BBC breaking news on our Twitter feed. We want everything now. We want everything fast. But this tells us that God would actually have us persist long term for some things. And one of the things that I think Jesus, looking at the New Testament taught his disciples more than anything else about prayer was the power of perseverance. And you think of those parables of the hungry man who comes asking for bread, of the nagging widow. And Jesus says, Luke 11, because of his shameless audacity, because he just kept on going and wouldn't give up, the man will get up and give him food. How much more will your father give you. And this was really illustrated to me before Christmas. Um, I'd taken a couple of prophetic teams to the CAP Christmas Fair, so Christians Against Poverty. It's one of um, the ministries here, and my friends Duncan and Mary lead it. Um, Amazing, amazing people, amazing ministry, amazing, wonderful clients. And so we'd taken this team, and they were just going to sit down and just speak out how does God see you? What are your gifts? What are your skills? What, what did God have in mind when he made you? And so we were sat at the back of the hall and the, you know, the room was looking Christmassy. It's a Christmas fair. Um, who would have thought? And um, this lady comes and sits down and the team are doing great. They're, they're just speaking out these words. And um, all of a sudden, I'm just starting to get this real heat in my right ear. And it's persistent. It doesn't go away and it's getting hotter and hotter until suddenly I can't bear it anymore. And I just blurt out, have you got anything wrong with your ear? She looks at me kind of weirdly and I'm thinking, oh gosh, she's going to say no. And this is going to be embarrassing because I've got two newbie teams who I'm supposed to be training. It's going to look awful. And then she says, yeah, um, I can't hear at all out of this ear. I'm completely deaf in this ear. 
Um, so kind of heart in my mouth trembling, thinking, God, you better back me up here. I don't know what I'm doing at all. I've got my team watching. Um, I say, well, well could, we, um, could we maybe pray for your ear? I said, sure, why not? So I, I put my hand on her ear, asking her, is that okay? And I said, yeah, sure. Um, and, I, and I said, um, ear, I command you to hear in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing. And take my hand off and um, ask her, is it any different? Because it's good to check. And uh, she says, yeah, uh, it's a little bit different. I said, so I said, could I pray again? Because God was doing something. So I put my hand on her ear again, and I say the same prayer again. Here, I, I command you to hear in the name of Jesus, receive your healing. Any blockages, I command you to go right now. And she, at this point, is looking a bit white and shocked. And she looks at me and she goes, what, what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> and 20 minutes later, after 20 minutes of persistent prayer for her, she gets up hearing from a right ear that had been completely deaf when she sat down. Yes, come on, Jesus. I know, isn't that so good? And I can, heart on my hand, tell you it was absolutely nothing to do with me and everything to do with God and his love for her. And she went away talking about this God who loved her. And she went around the entire fair telling everyone, you better go and get some prayer from those guys. And uh, yeah, but basically, I could have given up, you know, after the first prayer and said, oh, that's a shame. See you next year. But I didn't. We kept on persisting. And I just think as we grow as a church of contending prayer, of bold prayer, we need to be prepared to walk some things longer term. We need to be prepared to persist in breakthrough prayers. You with me? I'm up for that. And likewise, I just wanted to encourage you. I've got so many stories. I'm not going to fit them all in. Um, lovely friend of mine called Emily who's here this evening. Emily suffered with ME for 23 years. And if you're medical at all, you'll know you don't really tend to get better from ME. It tends to get worse. And for the latter 12 years of that, she had had to, when she was able to leave the house, she was in a wheelchair. So she she was really quite unwell. In 2013, God gave her um, a prophetic word that he was going to be working about her healing that year. And over the course of a year, she persisted in asking God for her healing. And she said to me, Hannah, it would have been so much easier to give up because it was hard as God had to deal with some of the emotional hurt in here as well as her physical healing. And gradually, over months, she saw God completely heal her from Emmy. How amazing is that? 23 years, and Emily is here tonight as a testimony of God's incredible power to saints. That, yeah, it's an amazing story. So, contending prayer is persistent, but contending prayer is also faith-filled. And I think one of the reasons that the church could pray for Peter in this way with such boldness was because chapters 4 and chapters 5 of Acts, they've done it before. They've seen him through the same situation. Peter probably knows the prison inside out by now. He's probably made some friends, converted a few soldiers. They've prayed him out, and so they know that God can do it again. They're praying from a place of testimony remembering what God has done. 
And so as they gathered to pray, verse 5 and verse 12, I bet what they were praying was, God, we recollect when you delivered Peter before. We recollect when all the apostles were in jail and you let them get out. And we've seen the church grow since then. And we remember your promises that you said you were going to do this. I bet they prayed from that kind of place of faith. But do you know, I want to just take you back to that Greek word again, because I think there's a little bit in here that I don't want us to miss. That word ektenos also means fervently or with emotion. And it's actually the word that's used about how Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane before he dies. Being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So I bet those disciples gathered to pray from Peter from a place of faith from a place of strength, from a place of memory. But I bet, I bet you, they also prayed their guts out. I bet they prayed with sobs. I bet they prayed with tears. I bet you they prayed with real human emotions, bringing the whole of themselves before the whole of God, pleading for a change. They weren't emotionally disengaged with the situation because faithful prayer isn't barren of emotion. It doesn't always feel strong, but man, is it real. And I don't know about you, but there have been times when I have prayed with choked up sobs and tears, and I just sense that God would have us know that those kind of prayers are no less sincere and holy than the most eloquent words you've uttered to him. That's just real. That's real faith. That's real prayer. So maybe you heard the word contending prayer and you thought maybe this is going to be the spiritual equivalent of karate that was going to teach you some moves and like some special words and you'd go out here and you'd have some kind of agenda and the truth is there's no magic formula. The powerful thing about prayer is when we bring the whole of ourselves, our weaknesses, our strengths, our awareness of our limitations, our human emotions, our excitements, our recollection of God's promises, the whole of ourselves before the whole of God. That's what God would have us do in prayer as we contend for big things this year. That's the journey I sense that he would have us walk in. So faith, faith It is a gift of God. It's something that supernaturally he gives us. And I'm going to pray for us later to receive that gift. But it's also something that grows in us as we say yes to him. And Pete Gregg says this about faith. And I just thought it was a beautiful quote. Praying with faith isn't praying with some kind of spiritual currency where we give God this and he gives us back this. Pete says, faith is a relational posture of trust that enables us to receive the will of God in a way that others can't. Faith is a pair of open hands. And so as we learn to pray bold, faith-filled prayers this year, I think we need to um, take a leaf from the Acts Church. So here are my top tips. Emotions are okay, just to summarize. Emotions are okay, let's be real. Memory helps. Let's remember God's faithfulness, what he's done before. Worship is important. Let's start from a place of thanksgiving. Do you know, I'm, I'm married to a wonderful man named Tom, whom I love dearly. Um, and, you know, we might, it's my birthday this week, so he's taking me out for dinner. 
I know, so nice. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, do you know, we might spend time over dinner talking about things that we've um, done together, adventures that we've been on, places that we've been to, people that we've met, recollecting the good things of the past. And that will build my faith in Tom. That will reassure me of his love for me and his commitment to our marriage and our life together. But if I went out for dinner with Tom and we just sat there for the entire time talking about everything that irritates us in each other, then I think we might have some problems. (laughs) I'm just guessing. (laughs) And it's a silly example, but I think it is a little bit like God. We need to start praying bold prayers by starting with thanksgiving. And then community empowers. Faith is something God grows in us, but it's also something that gets watered and tended by the community around us. If we so have a normative culture of faith in this community here this evening, every week, where you come and you hear stories like what people were talking about this evening, then you won't be able to help yourself but pray for big things because you will have seen other people do it. And you will have seen how God answered. And, and this was really brought home to me for a really um, precious friend called Naomi. Some of you will know her. And um, she is from a lovely Northern Irish Presbyterian family. There might be a few others of you here this evening. You're here. You're safe. It's okay. Um, and uh, she went home for Christmas to see her mum. And uh, her mum was really suffering with quite severely bad back pain. She pulled muscles and she had a chest infection. So every time she coughed, it was sheer agony for her. And Naomi just could not take her mum being in pain anymore. Every time she heard her mum complain or c- cough and in pain, she just, she just knew, because she'd been around this kind of community, that it was not the plan of the father. I suspect she maybe also thought that she hasn't told me this, that I might ask her, did you pray for her? So heart trembling, she says to her mum, could I pray for you? Now, Naomi is not from the kind of family, she, she says that it's okay for me to share this with you, where praying out loud for healing is something that regularly happens in a Northern Irish lovely Presbyterian family. It just doesn't, I mean, laying on of hands, woe there. So heart trembling she just could not take it anymore and so she steps out in faith mum could I pray for you and her mum says yes wonderful she prays for her mum the pain goes instantly her mum is well for the whole Christmas period able to enjoy her time with her children how amazing is that so community empowers I wonder what is this is my big question I hope you're all ready what is the one impossible breakthrough prayer that you are going to pray this year? What is the thing that you are going to ask God for that only he could do? Because I think we all should have at least one of those kind of prayers this year. And what would it look like for you to get accountable with some other people, maybe in your friendship group, maybe in your missional community, about praying for those things? I think it would look absolutely phenomenally dangerous. I think it would be the biggest adventure of your year. I think it would be tough, but I think it would be amazing. Let's pray those kind of prayers. So contending prayer is persistent, contending prayer is faith-filled. And then lastly, contending prayer is trusting prayer. Contending prayer trusts God. Because 
The reality is that we can pray in all of these ways. We can pray going on unceasing. We can pray persistently. We can pray with faith. We can pray with gratitude, with thanksgiving. And still, we cannot see and will not see the fullness of everything that we are asking God for. And that rattles me. Anyone else? You know, that is, that is the reality of living in this world. And prayer is a great adventure in trusting God. And Luke makes that really clear in this passage. If we look carefully enough, he says it's Passover. And the connotations for Luke's readers are really clear because the Jewish community and this early Christian church, Passover was like Christmas. It was like the biggest deal ever. Passover was the point in which they celebrated This is our God, and he is the one who delivers us. He is the one who saves us. He is the one who led us through the Red Sea and saved us. And almost within the same breath in this passage, Luke says, at Passover, James was killed and Peter was freed. One man died, one man lived, but God is the God who saves And, you know, I think the early church were okay with that kind of tension because they knew they weren't living in a Hollywood blockbuster romantic comedy with a perfect ending. They were living in the reality of, it's what Carl talked about last week, the reality of two kingdoms where God's will and God's world are not perfectly aligned yet. They will be, and he will do it, but it's not yet We're waiting for him who will come and who will deliver us, who will wipe every tear from our eyes. So there are many reasons why our prayers don't get answered. And do you know, I I thought about covering some of these this evening, but I just didn't think it would be very fair because to do it well, you need to have at least an hour. And I didn't think you'd be happy for me going on for that long. Just a guess. But I think um, I'd recommend a book actually by Pete Gregg called God on Mute really helpful. If you're walking through that kind of season, go and read it. God on Mute by Pete Gregg. I think often our prayers aren't answered because we live in a fallen world and our experience of it is human. C.S. Lewis says, try to exclude the possibility of suffering which the order of nature and the existence of free will involves and you find that you have excluded life itself. To be human is to be painfully aware of our limitations, but it is to be alive. And so to be truly human is to trust God with that. This is the kind of prayer we see in this passage. Peter, he's taking a nap the night before his execution. If this isn't trusting prayer, I don't know what is. Contending prayer has to be the kind of prayer that will trust God in the face of unanswered prayer. And it has to come, and I think God would have us learn something of this as a community this year. Contending prayer in us will come from a place of obedience and faithfulness, from the kind of people who will set their face towards Jesus and say, no matter what, in every circumstance, I will obey. I will be faithful. I will keep contending, persisting. And some of you are hearing me talk about this and thinking, man, 
this is just so hard. And I, I want to stand with you in that, actually, because it is so hard. Some of you have walked from 2014 into 2015, wanting faith, loving Jesus. You love Jesus. But actually, your experience right now is really having to try to trust God, and it's hard graft. It's hard work. And so you've walked, actually, from one year to the next with disappointment. You feel maybe like God has left you. You don't comprehend the emptiness you feel when you pray. And as I was praying, I I felt God show me a picture earlier. And it was a picture of you as um, a soldier. And you'd been taken out in battle. You were lying on the floor. And I saw Jesus himself come to you. And he was carrying this shield of faith. And he came to you and he placed it over your body where you had fallen and he knelt down under the shield it was massive big enough to cover the two of you on the battlefield and he tended to your wounds like a medic he loved you he spoke words of compassion and faith to you he spoke strength into your body as he spoke it was like the jewels from the shield dripped down onto you and where you're healing the presence of Jesus with you was amazing And I just sense maybe for some of us this evening, as we say, I'm up for this kind of prayer. I'm up for this kind of bold, contending prayer thing. I'm up for it. That actually, God would just remind you of the nearness of Jesus to you this evening and this year. That that would ever increasingly be your reality. That you can trust him because he's with you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be someone who can't cope with the reality or the possibility even of an answered prayer because I've so boxed God into my own understanding and wanted to limit and define who he is. God is a mystery sometimes. And I think as we learn to contend in prayer, we're going to learn to contend with the reality of that because we want to be not someone who lets this create bitterness or resignation in our hearts, but we can tend to be the kind of people who feel things, who care for people, who walk long-term with people who are crying out for God's answers. So I don't, I really don't always understand God's ways in my life, but I know more and more he can be trusted. He can be trusted this evening. He can be trusted. You can trust him can trust him with your life because very lastly contending prayer is powerful we see how the end of this passage finishes don't we Peter is freed previously James was dead Peter was in prison Herod was having a great time thank you very much and this chapter ends with a complete reversal of the church's situation. It's completely turned on its head. Herod is dead. Peter is free. And the church is having a great time. Thank you very much. And so we might live in seasons of unanswered prayer. Terrible, awful places where we cry out to God, where are you? I do not understand but I will keep walking, faltering step by faltering step, faith one minute, doubt the next, 
muddled and half believing towards you. I will set my face, Jesus, towards you. We might live in those kind of seasons. And do you know, across the world, we can look at places like the Middle East and Nigeria, where tyrants like Herod are on the rampage, persecuting and murdering the church. And this passage gives us hope because it says that these kind of people do not last, but the word of God will continue. Of his government and his justice, there will be no end. That's what this tells us. He will have the last word. And so as we um, respond together to whatever God might be saying to you this evening, if it was something I didn't even say, do you know what? That's totally great. Let's just think about that for a minute. Prayer is powerful and he is the king. What is that impossible breakthrough prayer that you are going to pray this year? What's the one thing you're asking God to do that only he can do? And I would love to pray for us um, to sense that would be right. For us to receive from him where he would give us faith and boldness this year. To pray for that kind of stuff. Verse 5 says, Peter was in prison, but the church was earnestly praying. I would love us at the end of this year to be able to say things like homelessness was on the rise in Edinburgh, but the church was earnestly praying. 99% of students in this city do not know Jesus, but the church was earnestly praying. And this is what happened. Suicide rates were increasing, but the church, do you get me? Christians in the Middle East were being insanely murdered, but the church was earnestly praying, God, that you would break our hearts for the things that break yours, that we would contend for the stuff that's on your heart, not on ours. Give us your heart. Give us your stuff. Have us contend for these things. Have us believe for the impossible, made possible because you do something when your church gets down on its knees and it prays. I'm going to shut up now. If you would like to receive boldness and faith this year, I'd love you to stand with me and we're going to pray that together. If you would like to receive boldness and faith, let's pray. Stand with me. Father, here we are. We are your church. You say that's who we are. We are your children and you love us. And Father, we say we want to pray in a way this year that honors you. And we see from this passage that your church is meant to pray big things. That's who we were made to be. We were supposed to pray impossible breakthrough prayers. And God, we come asking for you to give us faith and boldness this year, that we might see breakthrough happen in this city, in this church, and in this nation. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters across this room. And even now, Father, as you, as you drop into open hands, trusting hands, hearts that are open to you, as you drop into those hands gifts of faith and boldness. I just bless, I bless what you're doing, Father. 
We receive what you would give us, what you would give us, Father. Nothing else. We just want what you would give us. Maybe just it might be helpful as a sign. Um, that, that quote from Pete that said, faith is a pair of open hands. Just to open your hands like that as you stand. Father, we receive faith. Confidence in what we hope for. Assurance in what we do not see. And we pray, Lord, that you would show us how to steward this gift well this year. That it would really not be to make us look good at all. But it would be for your glory. It would be because of the things you would do in us and through us. The kind of prayers that you would have us say. I just sense, um, Holy Spirit, maybe just reassuring a few people where you might disqualify yourself from receiving that. He doesn't disqualify anyone. He would have you play. So open your hands. And Father, I want to pray this evening for my brothers and sisters, my family, who are walking through seasons of unanswered prayer and whose daily, day in, struggle is to believe that you are even present and that you even care and Jesus I I just thank you for that picture of how you draw alongside us of how you come and you sit with us in the dust and the dirt of the battlefield and you minister yourself to us and I pray that for my family Lord for anyone here who's walking through that season or maybe walking through it with someone else where they've been praying for so long that hopelessness has just become the norm instead of faith. Jesus, would you come? Jesus, would you come near? And even where that doesn't answer our questions, we receive you. We receive your love, Jesus. Oh, man.